the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And at Visiting Angel. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. Open wide your mouth. Let us pray. Mighty God, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and your arm is not too short. And your command to us as a national prayer chapel is open wide your mouth. I will fill it. I ask, Lord, today for that filling in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Now, always God has struggled with his people over this issue. He struggles today with the National Prayer Chapel with the same issue. And that issue is, where shall we find our food? What shall be the source of our sustenance? Where will we find the money to pay the giant grocery store? Or the Safeway grocery store? Where will we find the money to pay for our car insurance? Where will we find our resources to take care of life's basic responsibilities? And as I've grown up, I've always heard the same answer. The Lord expects you to go do what you can do. The Lord helps those who help themselves. If you don't work, you don't eat. And so basically what I always heard was this two-step. Trust Jesus, but keep your powder dry. And some of you have said, what do you mean, Pastor, keep your powder dry? Well, what I mean is this. Pray, but be ready to shoot the bad guy because God can't take care of him. You're out there on your own and you're responsible, so you better be ready to do whatever you have to do. I said to a man this last week, I am struggling mightily to walk in the lamb of God and not in the wolf. He said, well, you have to have a right balance between the lamb and the wolf. Well, this has been the struggle in the body of Christ. How can I trust God for what I need when I have the ability to go do what I have to do to make sure I have it? So as a pastor, I used to call together the board. Board meetings were very, very important in my church. The reason being, it was in the board meeting that I could sell my ideas And only people with money sat in the board. And so that week after the board voted to agree with the pastor on the next program, I'd pick up the phone and I'd begin to touch them for the money because they owed me. I'd been there when their sick one needed help. I'd been there when they needed something. And now I would begin to collect what was due the pastor. It wasn't for me. It was for the church. It was for the work of God. It was for the kingdom of heaven. And then I would go to the board and I'd say, look what God has done. Look how God has blessed us. Let's move forward with confidence because God has done this. God hadn't done it at all. I had done it. I'd played the world's game in the midst of the body of Christ. And I had successfully raised the money necessary to do what I believe God wanted us to do. But God wasn't in it because God hadn't had anything to do with it. I had done it. Have you taken care of business? Are you a Sunday and Thursday Christian? You come here and sing the praises of the almighty God of heaven. You worship him. But frankly, during the week, you've got other fish to fry. As one man said to me this past week, well, pastor, if some of us don't go do what we can do, how will there be any money in the body of Christ to do the work you think God wants us to do? In other words, God's arm is too short. He can't handle it. He needs our support. He needs us to go do what we can do. 
to make certain that everything is covered. Well, frankly, I, I ask each of you a question. What would happen if you lost your job and you could not have any source of income? And you were not eligible for Social Security? And you were not eligible for any retirement monies? How would you live? Would you starve to death? Or do you have an experiential working knowledge of the living God of heaven with absolute and utmost confidence in the living God of heaven that he will provide for you your daily bread and carry you in a manner you cannot carry yourselves? George Mueller, this wonderful man of faith, was offered a position with a congregation. He accepted, but he said, the salary I cannot receive. He said, instead, I'm going to simply trust in God to provide for my needs. I will not tell any of you any of my needs. I will trust in the Lord God. At the end of the year, he counted up everything that he had received that year it was triple what they'd offered him in salary. Triple what they'd offered him in salary. Now, do you suppose George Mueller considered it a heavy burden to serve the Lord God of heaven? As a businessman, was he making a wise choice? I'd say he was making a very wise choice. If you get triple the salary by letting God pay you versus letting man pay you, which are you going to choose? Now, the problem is sometimes God says, all right, you're just serving me because I pay well. So let's cut the pay. And let's see what's in your heart. You remember the biblical example of God doing just that. His name was Job. And Satan said, he's serving you because you're taking such good care of him. So you let me take away your bountiful blessing and he will curse you. So God said, go ahead and take it away. He continued to serve the Lord God of heaven. And Satan said, you touch his body. Take his life in your hands. He will curse you and die. And God said, no, no, don't touch his life. Spare his life. Do whatever you want to his body. Do you know what would happen if the devil were given total free reign over your physical body? That God says, okay, I'm pulling back from your physical body. Go ahead, Satan. Do anything you want to do. Well, I can't think of anything worse than boils on the bottom of my feet, boils on my back and my legs, Where would you lay down? How would you walk? I mean, this man was in absolute agony with the fevers, with nightmares, being tortured. So I'm not, please hear me, I'm not suggesting that God is always going to pay you the way you want to be paid. But I am raising today the question, do you trust the Lord God of heaven for your sustenance, 
Do you know how to go to the throne room of God and receive from him the answers you need regarding your basic life sustenance? And of course, that raises another question. Have you made a determination in your heart that is settled and is firm that you are going to live for heaven? that you are going to live for eternity and that your eye is not set on the earthly existence. And it doesn't matter to you where you have to live, what you have to wear, what you have to drive or walk, that you have fixed in your mind your eternal dwelling is where you are placing every ounce of energy And every hope and every dream you are placing on that world in the future for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you see, it's impossible for me to come to you today and say, I'm going to trust in Jesus for tomorrow if I'm not willing to trust him for eternity. But it's also impossible to trust him for eternity if I don't trust him for tomorrow. They come as a package deal. Either I will trust him with all that I possess now and for eternity, or I will not trust him for either. Now, what would happen today if you resolved in your heart that you would fully trust in the Lord God of heaven and that your only interest would be his kingdom and his righteousness and that you would seek that with all of your heart. Now, I can tell immediately as I say that, some of you are thinking about your endeavors this past week to build your own kingdom. And yes, all of that has to cease. The Lord has not called us to build our own kingdoms. He's called us to build his kingdom. And so look with me now at the scripture. We're going to begin in Psalm 81. Psalm 81. Sing for joy to God our strength. Shout aloud to the God of Jacob. See, you have nothing to sing about and you have nothing to shout about if you do not know on an experiential day-by-day level that God has provided all that is necessary for you. That this is not a shell game. This is not the Lord saying, I've provided you with heaven and someday you'll arrive. But in the meantime, you're on your own. Do the best job you can. That's not the arrangement we have made with the Father. Notice verse 6. I have removed the burden from their shoulders. Their hands were set free from the basket In your distress, you called, and I rescued you. I answered you out of a thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Now, please hear what I'm going to say to you. Not one person in this room 
who is called by God to follow the kingdom of heaven has to work for one dime. Now hear what I'm saying. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you are set free from the bondage of working to earn your bread by the sweat of your brow. You remember when this rule, earning your bread by the sweat of your brow, came into effect? Back in the book of Genesis. And in Genesis, it tells us that because Adam sinned with Eve, the ground was cursed, and he now would have to earn his bread by the sweat of his brow. But at the cross of Jesus Christ, every curse is broken by the blood of Jesus. And so now a Christian is no longer called upon to earn his bread by the sweat of his brow. Rather, we're told, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given unto you. So if I understand correctly the scriptures, if you think you're going to work to earn an income, you have not yet understood what God wants to accomplish for you in setting you free from the bondage of Egypt. No Christian remains in Egypt. Let me say that again. No Christian remains in the bondage of Egypt. The body of Christ on the cross, the spilled blood of Christ on the cross, breaks the bondage of the curse of earning our bread by the sweat of our brow. It's broken. Now, if you want to continue doing it, you can. I mean, if, if you were to place a million dollars in my name in my account, or if I were to place a million dollars in your name in your account, would you continue doing exactly what you're doing right now? If in your work situation, they said to you, we recognize that we no longer have the money to pay you, but we would like you to continue doing what you're doing, would you continue doing what you're doing as a volunteer? Then you are still in Egypt in bondage to Pharaoh and have not come into the freedom of Jesus Christ. When will you come into the freedom of Jesus? You see, as you go to that J-O-B to earn your money, you're a slave. If you go to that J-O-B to serve Jesus Christ and to lift up the name of Jesus, and you would do it whether they paid you or not because that's where Jesus has sent you. Now you're walking in freedom and in victory. So, I was raised as a farmer. I remember talking to Dad Yoder, Jan's dad. He at one time farmed 1,100 acres. You recognize 1,100 acres means that when the harvest time comes, you're going to sit on top of your tractor for 18 out of the 24 hours every day. 
And you're going to have to hire some people to come and sit on the tractors with you just to get the harvest in. If you have 1,100 acres of soybean or corn, you have a lot of harvesting to do. Dad's attitude was always this. Mama needs a new winter coat. Go down to Freelanders and choose the coat you want. And so Mama went down to Freelanders and she sees this very inexpensive coat. And she tries it on and Mr. Freelander comes around. And he says, oh, Zella, you don't want that coat. I have a coat to be perfect for you. And see, he, he goes and he gets this coat, and it is a coat of utter delight. It captures her heart. And now she sees this beautiful coat with this plain, poorly fitting, coarse garment. He says, you're a queen. Your husband needs to treat you right. I know Harold would want this wonderful coat for you. She says, well, I don't have the money to pay it, and I wouldn't dare spend that without talking to Harold. Well, Zella, don't worry about that. Let me just package it up. You take it home, and you show it to Harold tonight. And so Mama brought home the beautiful coat and the ugly coat. And so that night after a wonderful dinner has been eaten together, dad says, well, what'd you find at Freelanders for your coat? Did you find a coat, mama? Oh, I found a coat. Well, show me. So she goes and puts on the coarse garment, the poorly fitting. Dad looks at her. Is that the best you could find? Well, no. I I found another coat, but it's really expensive. Well, I better see it. Did you bring it? Yeah. Well, go put it on. So she goes and she slips on this beautiful. By the way, this is not a parable. This happened. She slipped on this beautiful, queenly garment. And she comes out. Oh. (laughs) Doing her strut. And dad looks at that coat and he says, now that is your coat. And she says, but Harold, it's so expensive. And dad says, What's that matter? I'll just plant another acre of corn. Buy the coat. So Mama goes back to Mr. Freelander and says, Harold says just he'll plant more corn. We want the coat. So Mama arranges to make payments on the coat based on the planting of the corn. And now she's a queen. And daddy sits on the tractor for another few hours. He's already on 18 hours a day. No wonder he wasn't there for any of his children when they were born. None of the six had dad there when they were born. Born in a house. Come home from the field that night and find his wife had given birth to the next child. 
He was working too hard to feed the hungry mouths. Now, do you understand what I'm saying? That's not the way of Jesus Christ. It's not the way of the cross. It's the way of the world system. And we have been trained to walk in the world's system. And we have then spray painted that system with a little Jesus and said, now I'll bring my tithes and I'm a good Christian. There is a radical change that God wants to make in our lives. We have said this congregation is the staff for the National Prayer Chapel. The National Prayer Chapel can't be the bank that pays the salaries. So who's going to pay the salaries? Well, obviously, nobody's going to pay the salaries, so I better stay here and do my work so I can earn my money and contribute to the National Prayer Chapel. You see, there's got to be a total realignment in our way of thinking. Jesus is our source. He's the one who provides for us. He is everything for us. And so we go to that place called a J-O-B because we are in obedience and in service to Jesus Christ. And we stay there as long as he holds us there. And when he's finished with us there, we let him transfer us to the next place. And many of you today are in jobs that you chose, that you signed up for. God didn't call you there. God didn't appoint you there. And you're in that bondage under Pharaoh. And that has to be broken. And the only way that can be broken is in the prayer closet. And God wants to take you into that prayer closet and he wants to totally break off your life, that bondage. That's the promise of the scripture. Now, God knows that it costs money to have clothing. He knows that it costs money to to eat. He knows that it costs money to drive a car. He knows it costs money to raise children. But in all of that, where is our source? Is our source Jesus Christ? Will he pay for what he orders? Let me read this scripture. Verse 10. This is Psalm 81, verse 10. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. When I read that this past week, I began to just laugh. And I I sat in my prayer study and I opened my mouth. I said, Lord, my mouth's open. Lord, my mouth's open. I'm going to keep it open. Feed me, oh God, feed me. And the Lord prompted me to begin to do the same thing that George Mueller did, which is get a notebook and write down every petition with a date when this petition was made and opposite have a space for when that petition is answered so that I can begin to see a direct correlation between praying and having my mouth filled. 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 
I expect to have my mouth filled many times every day. Do you? So far today, how many times has your mouth been filled? Probably, for some of you, quite a number. If you had a breakfast, it was filled repeatedly. You took into your body what you put in your mouth. What this scripture is saying is that the Lord God of heaven will personally begin to feed you if you will open wide your mouth to him. Now, we've been accustomed to going to Pharaoh and opening our mouth. And we think that the paycheck that we receive is the payment of Pharaoh for opening our mouth to Pharaoh. What I'm trying to say to you today is that the transition has to be made so that every day when we go to the job, we are going there as servants of the Most High God. We are going at His command. Our mission there that day has been established in the prayer closet. We know what our task is. We know why we're there. We're not there to serve Pharaoh. We're there to serve the living God of heaven. And in that place, when the paycheck comes, it is not coming to fill our mouth from Pharaoh. We know that that paycheck has come from the Lord God of heaven himself. And he has channeled that money through that job where that current assignment is. And as soon as he's finished with us there, he'll move us to the next assignment and he will continue to flow that in. Now, at some point, he may bring you to the same place that he's brought Jan and myself, where he simply sovereignly flows to us what he wants for us to have. So we go directly to the Lord, we open our mouth, and he feeds us. But to arrive at that place, Jan and I had to come to our knees and run out of all of our food, and run out of our cars, and run out of our retirement. God ran us out of everything. And then, like helpless birds, we opened our mouths, and he began to feed us, or we would have died. Now, I tell you right now, that's the fear. What if I trust God, and he lets me die? Peter stepped out on that water. He began to walk. He's the only man other than Jesus Christ, to my knowledge, who's ever walked on water. We usually look at that incident in Scripture as a failure. It wasn't. It was a blazing and awesome success. This man actually walked on water. But then he was caught by the wind and the waves. And he took his eyes off Jesus, and he began to sink. But as soon as he began to sink, he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord reached out his hand and grabbed him and pulled him up. It doesn't say, but I suspect he pulled him right back up and walked him back to the boat. It doesn't say he swam back to the boat. I've sunk a lot of times, but I'm determined to be a water walker. I'm determined to fix my eyes on Jesus and to trust him that when I'm hungry, I open my mouth and he will feed me. Now, what I want you to begin to grasp in your spirit today is that the Lord God of heaven knows what you need. He knows your need for a place to live. He knows your need 
for clothing. He knows your need for food. He knows the need for the electric bill. He knows the need for the telephone. The Lord God of heaven knows all of these financial needs. Are you willing to get on your face before God and open wide your mouth? Say, Lord, the phone bill's due now. Lord, the car bill's due now. Lord, I'm hungry. Are you willing to go to the Lord and as a child simply begin to trust him for what you need? God is trying in this fellowship to begin to build up a testimony of his faithfulness that you would know that you can trust Jesus in every area for your health, for everything. I've been struggling now for the last year with an infection in my lungs. My lungs have ached almost all the time in my back. I've been to a doctor. He said, Ray, you're exhausted. It's not going to go away until you rest. I said, thank you very much, doctor. But I don't have time to rest. I have an assignment from Jesus. I'm going to do what Jesus has asked me to do. I began to take this to the Lord in earnest about 30 days ago. And I began to ask the Lord if he would meet me and if he would heal my lungs. Nothing happened. I said, Lord, my mouth is wide open. I need you. Nothing happened. But my brother was in Mexico. Got a call from him. He said, Ray, there's a certain antibiotic that I think you need to take. You have to pray about it. But I could pick up a bottle for you. I said, not a doctor. He said, I'll send it to you. I said, thank you. So it came. On top of it, $9.75. He called me, he said, you know that bottle, $9.75 that you just got? Do you know what that would cost you in America? He said, no, how much? He said, that little bottle would cost you $800. I said, $800, is it gold? He said, read the material I sent to you. And there it was. A medical doctor laying out the use of this antibiotic for lower respiratory infection. I took that before the Lord and I said, Lord, is this what you're giving to me to take care of this lung infection that I've been fighting with? And he said, yes. I said, Lord, why can't you just touch me and heal me? He wouldn't answer. Now, do you understand? I open wide my mouth, and I expect God to put a chocolate-covered cherry in it. 
And instead, he gives me spinach. And I want to spit it out. And I want to say, I want to be able to stand in front of your people and say, God sovereignly in the night with a stroke of lightning healed me. And the pain's gone. Now, if you want the same, come up here. I've got the power. That'd be my chocolate-covered cherry. And instead of that, he sends me these pills. Antibiotic. And says, take it. Thanks, I don't like it. So I'll just close my mouth now. And when you're ready to give me the chocolate-covered cherry, talk to me, God, and I'll open my mouth again. In the meantime, don't give me your spinach. Now, here's the problem. Yes, we're going to believe in God. Yes, we're going to trust God. But just make sure you always slip me the chocolate-covered cherry. I don't want any spinach. I don't want anything bitter or sour. Send me what I want when I want it, and I'll be a happy camper, and I'll testify everywhere that you're such a wonderful God. No. Am I willing to take even bitter medicine? If that's what the Lord God of heaven determines is necessary, am I even willing to take bitter medicine? I spoke with a pastor and his wife. I said, I'd love to have you guys come to Washington I'd love to have you minister together with us. I'd love to have you come and be a part of our congregation. And immediately her response was, how much salary? What's the cost of living like there? We'd need to buy a house. How much could you help us with toward the house? All the wrong questions. All the wrong questions. How many times you go for that job interview? Is it a higher grade? How much extra money will I make? What are the benefits? Am I going to be taken care of? What? And he wants a people who will trust him. He wants a people who will totally cast themselves on Jesus Christ with absolute assurance that when we're hungry and we open our mouths, he's going to feed us. He's going to care for our sickness. He's going to care for our financial needs. He's going to care for our children. He's going to take care of everything. The question is, will we open wide our mouths even when it's sauerkraut? or spinach, or okra? Are we willing to allow God to become the sustainer of our lives instead of our being the sustainers of our lives? Are we willing to trust him and say, Lord God, I will open wide my mouth to you and I will put my confidence in you? And I won't have a bitter heart toward you when you don't do it the way I ask you to do it. See, verse 11. 
but my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. So in other words, the Lord is saying they would not submit to me. They would not open their mouths and accept the food that I wanted to give them to eat. And so finally, I just gave them over in their stubbornness to follow their own devices. Now, wait a minute. I've grown up in America believing that to follow my own devices was the most gloried of all positions. That was called freedom. To be able to have my dream and pursue it. And I was supposed to even be able to go to God and ask him to bless my dream. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, especially my own devices. I mean, isn't that what we've been told? But the Lord in this passage is teaching us that when we follow our own devices, we are under a curse from God, not a blessing from God. And the Lord, both in Isaiah and Jeremiah, brings forth repeatedly this simple teaching that says, my people treat what is bitter as though it were sweet, and what is sweet as though it were bitter. And so we have taken following our own devices and treated that as something sweet, when in fact it's bitterness. It's a curse from God. God gives us over to the curse of following our own devices. We come up with these ideas and we say, this is where I'm headed and I'm doing it for God. And it's going to cost me this much. And God says, let me send you and I'll pay you that much. Are you willing to open wide your mouth to God to receive from him exactly what he wants to give you to sustain your life? Yes, he's going to give you some cherries. And yes, he's going to give you some sauerkraut. But you will know it is from the hand of God. I bear testimony today. My life before you with Jan is a living witness that we trust in the Lord God of heaven and he meets the need both of our personal life and the life of this congregation. And he will meet yours as well. If you will not resist him in a stubborn heart and set about to accomplish your own devices. For the Lord asked me to speak about this today and to ask you all the very simple question, Have you been following your own devices? And are you willing to give up your own devices? And are you willing to open wide your mouth to Jesus and let him begin to feed you? Because if he'll begin feeding you now and you'll let him and you'll build a trust with him, he'll feed you through eternity. I want to be fed through eternity, but I want to be fed today. And so I have determined in my heart that I will only be about kingdom business. I will not engage in the business of the world. I will only be about the business of the Lord God of heaven. And as I am engaged in the business of heaven, 
he will assign me my portion. Now, some of you, like my father, enjoyed getting sauerkraut and boiled okra more than he enjoyed getting chocolate-covered cherries because he didn't believe he was worthy of God pouring abundance into his life. And so if God would pour abundance into his life, he would have to immediately get rid of it because he couldn't enjoy it. Life had to be hard or he wasn't happy. So let me just speak a moment to those of you who are of like mind. God has not asked us to be burden bearers. He's not asked us to carry a bitter heart. He's not asked us to walk with bloody feet. He did that on Calvary. He's asked us instead, will you simply let me feed you what I know I need to feed you to accomplish my purpose in your life for the eternal kingdom of heaven? And for some, that's going to be poverty. For others, that's going to be riches. And it's not personal. To each one, he is going to do what he needs to do to accomplish the purpose for his kingdom that he's desired. And so as you're walking in this and he tries to give you a house and you say, I'm not worthy of that, no. You've blocked the feeding that God wants to do. Or is, as you're walking with him, you get your eyes set on a house over here and you say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. But if I'm going to follow you, you've got to give me a house. You have gone to your own devices. But what I'm trying to say to you is that there's a mud ditch on both sides of this road. I don't want to get in the mud ditch on either side of the road. I want to walk straight and clean with God on the highway of holiness. I want to have my eyes set on the eternal kingdom of Jesus. I want to be about the business of the Father, and I want him to bring to me whatever he chooses to bring to me, whether it be poverty or wealth, whether it be persecution or glory, whatever it is, I want my eyes on heaven. I want my eyes on the work of the kingdom of God, and I'm willing then to receive from his hand whatever he chooses to give to me. I mean, I remember with Jan making this vow about in sickness and in health. You remember that? Did you make one of those? Well, that vow I make also with Jesus in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad times, in poverty or wealth, whatever it is, I intend with my eyes fixed only on Jesus to be about kingdom business and all the devices of the flesh. I pray, oh God, crush them, cast them aside. Don't allow that curse to come upon my life. If my people would but listen to me, if Israel would follow my ways, how quickly would I subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes? You want God to do something for you? Listen to him and follow his ways. Walk in accord with his word. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him. Their punishment would last forever. You want to get revenge for how you've been treated? Then listen to God and walk in his ways. 
you would be fed with the finest of wheat and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Now here we have the question. Do you want the honey that comes out of the world? Or do you want the honey that comes from the heart of the Lord God of heaven? For Jesus Christ is the rock. And out of that rock comes honey. It is sweet. When you open your mouth, God will feed you. Now, for just a moment, I'd like to not be theological. I'd like to be just simple, simple, simple. You leave this house of worship today and you have a need. You have something in your heart that you need. Go into your prayer closet. Write down your request of God. And beside it, leave a place blank for God's answer. And simply ask in faith, Lord God of heaven, I've confessed my sin. I am walking in every way I know and in obedience to your word. Now, Lord, for your kingdom affairs, I need to be able to have this provision. Your will be done. I now wait upon you with my mouth open for you to feed me. And watch what God will do. The children are misbehaving. You have a choice. You can go to your own devices and yell and scream at them. Or you can go into the bedroom and you can shut the door and you can get on your face before God. And you can say, Almighty God, look how my children are behaving. They're just like me. They learned it from me. Now, Lord, I'm going to come into the prayer closet. I've asked you to change me. Now, would you change my child? Lord, I pray for my child. Would you change my child's attitude? Would you give my child a new heart? Would you reverse this curse of my own device? And would you not let my child pick this up? And you stay in that prayer closet until that work is done. And the faith of God begins to rise up in your heart and say, I've heard your cry. I will answer your plea. Then stand up and rejoice in the Lord. And watch as he answers your prayer. Going to go to my job tomorrow. Lord, before I go to this job, I recognize I signed up for this job myself. And so it's my problem. But you said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus, now I'm going to enter into your rest, and I'm not going to carry the burden of this job anymore because I believe you can carry it for me and that you're willing and able to carry it for me. Now, Jesus, as I go to my job, I'm going to only have kingdom business at hand. I'm not going to go to the job with my own devices and my own agenda. I'm going to go to the job to serve you. Now, Jesus worked as a laboring man. And I can assure you, he gave an honest day's labor for an honest day's pay. He expects the same of us. To walk with integrity, with uprightness, but to recognize that that job is not for Pharaoh. The only way Jan was able to walk through what she has done in this house 
is to constantly say to herself and to me, I am doing this for Jesus Christ. So tomorrow when you go to your job, you are doing that job for Jesus Christ. And your agenda is now kingdom business. Suddenly as you're working in your job, you say, oh, I remember Pastor Ray said, I'm supposed to be on kingdom business. That means I better grab that person over there and confront them with their sin, and I better get them straightened out. (laughs) And suddenly, you have gone after your own devices. See, Satan doesn't care if your own device is wickedness or so-called righteousness. If it's your own device, the curse of God is on it. But if the Holy Spirit moves in your heart and says, now, I want you to say this and this to that man right over there, that woman. And this is when you're supposed to say it. And in due season, you open your mouth and you bear testimony. According to the moving of the Holy Ghost, there will be fruit in that place of employment. Instead of self-righteous Bible beating over the head. Now, this isn't a complicated message today. Just very simple. Will you open your mouth and let God feed you? Will you lay aside your own devices? Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Come join us at nationalprayerchapel.com. To keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless. For the presence of His glory with great joy, with great joy, to the only God our Savior. This is... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.